Hey everyone, welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast. I'm Heather Hoops Matthews here with Matthew Roberts, Nexon Pruitt healthcare attorney. We have another edition with a good uh, discussion ahead, and and it's going to touch somewhat on what I'm about to ask you about, Matthew, which is you know the pandemic and strategic decisions by you know healthcare facilities and groups. Are they still doing anything like that? Absolutely. Life goes on for healthcare systems. Uh, they need to make strategic decisions to further their their interest. And we'll hear from our guest today about how their organization is doing that despite the fact we're in this global pandemic. Right. Well, I look forward to hearing more on that. And we do have a great episode with us today. Uh, We'll have guests Brandon Neal and Mindy Staley of Novant Health. That is an award-winning integrated network of hospitals, outpatient centers, and physician practices with over 640 locations across four states. We'll dive into how Novant Health and its legal department have managed during the pandemic, the consolidation of hospitals, and much more. So stay with us for Taking the Pulse. Welcome back, everybody. Joining us today on Taking the Pulse, we have Novant Health in Charlotte, North Carolina, is Senior Vice President and Deputy Chief Counsel Legal Officer, Brandon Neal, along with Assistant General Counsel, Mindy Staley. As in-house attorneys, Brandon manages Novant's legal department and provides support in all legal functions of the organization, and Mindy ensures compliance with relevant laws and regulations. Brandon and Mindy, thank you so much for joining us today from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, For both of you, how has Novant handled this pandemic? Well, Heather, thank you for having us. I'll kick off our answer. Um, And I'll talk mostly from the HR employment perspective, because that's been my perspective throughout the pandemic. And I'll let Brandon address it from the um, kind of more operational standpoint. To answer generally first, I'll say very objectively that I think Novant Health has handled it um, extremely well. And we've been a real leader in North Carolina in our response. From the employment and HR side, um, I think what we're most proud of is that we have not had any layoffs or reductions in force because of COVID. Um, We have been very busy implementing lots of programs to support our team members, particularly the clinical patient-facing team members. Um, To begin with, obviously, with everybody else around the world, we implemented the remote work um, for corporate and other departments that could work from home. And as the um, pandemic went on and schools and daycares were closing, we also provided subsidized um, childcare assistance for mostly our team members, again, the clinical patient-facing team members who had to come into work. We've also established uh, a disaster relief fund at one of our foundations to help our team members who are experiencing COVID-related financial stress, um, helping them pay mortgage payments, rent, utilities, and that kind of thing. So we've been very proactive to try to help and support our team members. Um, We've got lots of programs I could go on and on about, but, but I won't. And as this pandemic continues, obviously, we're continuously reevaluating and monitoring and looking to see if we need to tweak programs or create new programs to help support our team members. That sounds really proactive that you were trying to think ahead. Brandon, the same from your perspective? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, let me say thank you for having us. And I'll pick up the thread that, that Mindy started with, which is, you know, this is, has been an incredible and crazy year. And I don't think any of us predicted this. And so if I look out into the future, 
I do feel this is sort of why you get into healthcare. And I, and I feel that one day when I'm very old, I'll talk to my grandkids and they'll ask, what did you do during COVID-19? And I can say all the great work uh, that we're doing. And I can say as an attorney, I've practiced in areas that I never thought I would practice, right? So um, we were the one of the first in the nation uh, to partner. We partner with the company Zipline to provide drone services, uh, PPE, uh, between our facilities. So that was exciting. I practiced a little bit of aviation law, which could be dangerous. Um, so that's interesting. But overall, I would just say we have been very cognizant of supporting our heroes um, on the first responders and really making sure that they didn't have to worry about everything else that was going on so they could do the job that they needed to do in order to save uh, our communities and our patients. Um, one of the key things that we did in being proactive is we set up this operational execution framework and so it had leaders in all our respective areas. Mindy and I were a part of this. They invited legal teams as well. Um, also with our members of our executive team and Frank Emery, our chief administrative officer who we roll up to was one of the executive sponsors. And really that provided a forum to really make quick decision-making, bring all the information from um, the hospitals, acute care, to HR, to marketing, to finance, so that everyone could be together. We could uh, go through the dashboards that we quickly put together to track how our patients, uh, what is our census, so what are the trends? And so it was a really good way of facilitating that accountability and decision-making and helping us quickly respond and then distribute uh, work back into the organization and the work streams. It sounds like you quickly identified this as a crisis and pulled together your crisis team. Yeah, we did. We did. Multiple crisis teams. Yeah. Yes, right. That's right. Well, it sounds like Novant Health, not surprisingly, has stepped up to the challenge. But as lawyers working for a big integrated health system, what has been your personal experience and what lessons have you learned as we've all faced these, these sort of unprecedented challenges? Yeah, I, I, will, I will jump in there and then Mindy can uh, fill any gaps I leave, um, provide her perspective. You know, I think much like everything else in our society and just in our country and in the world, really, um, sort of saw COVID-19 as an amplifier, right? So it amplified what your strengths were beforehand. It amplified areas of opportunities and improvement on the other hand. And so for Novant Health and working in this, what makes Novant Health such a great place is that we're very collegial. Uh, we have consensus driven. I mean, that everyone has input and there are opportunities within when you have to rapidly respond for a large organization where you need to make decision making quick, quickly. And so that operational execution framework that we stood up allowed us to preserve some of that um, consensus building collegiality while also making quickly quick decisions without uh, not including certain team members. And so I think one of the lessons we learned is that um, these sort of structures and having accountability, who's accountable for what, um, and making sure that someone has ownership of certain areas is really a good lesson learned. And so that framework, I think, has broad applicability that will likely carry forth. And I would say also from the legal side too, just being able to be flexible um, and then also be accountable at the same time has been has been something that I'll carry forth in particularly in a large organization. So Mindy, I don't know if you would add what you would add. Yeah, and I was just going to say, and I was going to add um, something that Brandon and I talked about um, as prepping for this um, with this question, and he mentioned it earlier about kind of how this amplified um, problems that existed. And one of them, which is 
a particular focus for Novant Health, this health equity was um, the health disparities between communities. And I don't know if you all um, read the Charlotte Observer, but there was an article, I think maybe this past week or the week before, announcing that we'd opened up our second Michael Jordan clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, we opened up in Charlotte. Uh, we opened up the first one last year, and they're both a result of a $7 million donation from Michael Jordan. Uh, they're both in underserved communities in Charlotte. And so they, they're really helping to kind of provide that access to care to these communities, particularly with these vulnerable populations that we've discovered um, during this pandemic. And, and the first one, actually, we kind of turned into from a clinic to Iraq, a respiratory assessment um, center in the beginning of COVID when, you know, a lot of these populations didn't have access to the screening and testing that they needed. And so we've been pretty proud of that that work we've um, been doing to, to meet those health disparities. I think that's, for me, that's been one of the blessings of the pandemic is that our eyes have been open to people in need that we may, that may have been invisible to us in the past for whatever reasons, not to, you know, lay blame, but um, this pandemic has shown us uh, the needs of people. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that you're stepping up now, but you're, you might not be stepping some of you might not be stepping out of your home. So Mindy, uh, legal department, other non-clinicals, you guys are going to continue to work remotely. Um, how do you continue to collaborate so much when you're remote? Well, and I think um, along with everybody else, I mean, you know, luckily we have Zoom. And I yes. think um, <laughs> we had Zoom prior, but I think Brandon, I don't know, we never used the, the camera <laughs> in the legal department. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, yeah. So, um, using the camera on zoom meetings so that you can actually see people. Um, I, I mean, I think that has been, um, you know, a great tool so that you can still feel connected. Um, you know, because as we continue to push out the date that we're going to work from home, um, I think it was begin when it was beginning, it was June and then it was December and then they were talking about March, but now it's June of 2021. So we'll have to continue to figure out how to stay connected with each other. And then of course our client and make sure that we're, um, we're on top of everything we need to be. Mindy, another question for you. Remote work is here to stay, at least for the short term, but working for a big uh, health system, you have a little bit of a challenge uh, as you manage that dynamic because the clinical folks can't work from home. So your admin folks and others are working from home. And from an HR standpoint, how do you manage that dynamic of one portion of your workforce has got to go in and, and frankly be more exposed to risks as they do their daily job on the clinical side versus the folks who are able to work from home? Yeah, and you know, I think you know that's one of the things about healthcare that I mean we all acknowledge, and I think healthcare um, providers understand that it's very difficult to do that work remotely. Although we have expanded and um, kind of grown in our telehealth um, services, so that that's an option as well. But um, for the most part, you know, I I think we've managed it well. And in the beginning of COVID, we actually set up a voluntary program for those patient-facing clinical team members um, that fell within one of those high-risk categories that they could have more severe um, COVID 
symptoms um, that they could raise their hand and say, you know, I've got this health issue that puts me in one of those buckets. And can I be removed temporarily from patient care, direct patient care? And so we tried to work with them that way and potentially hopefully reassign them. And then that's transitioned into our kind of normal ADA disability accommodations process. So we do have some um, clinical workers that we are trying to accommodate with some type of remote work or a potential reassignment during this time. Okay. Flexibility and resilience, yes. those are the keys. We mentioned strategic decisions at the top of the podcast, and congratulations uh, to Novant Health. Uh, it was the new Hanover County Commissioners, I think, which allowed Novant Health to move forward uh, with the acquisition of new Hanover Regional Medical in Wilmington, North Carolina, including a partnership with UNC. Uh, that sounds like a significant decision. So could you uh, describe the impact of the acquisition and also just, you know, maybe the the thought process of making a decision like this at a time like this? Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think I think Matthew mentioned at the top, you know, life and business goes on and, and our patients and communities continue to need care. And so, yeah, we have to we have to we have to chew gum and walk at the same time. And so <laughs> we're very excited about this opportunity. I, I will note sort of as an attorney to say we, we're still um, seeking regulatory approval and engaging uh, state and federal levels for that. So um, but we're hoping everything goes well. We're so excited about this because we think it will be such a great benefit for the state. Um, it's all sort of public. You can see that we made a five, five billion dollar investment commitment to New Hanover and that entire region to expand the facilities there, relieve some of the capacity constraints that they may have had in the past and expand access to high quality affordable care, which we all are interested in in that region. Um, and you layer on on top of that, the partnership with UNC Health and UNC School of Medicine to really enhance the medical education, clinical capabilities through this partnership. And I think it overall benefits the uh, benefits the state, right, to keep to train and then keep and have opportunities for the future healthcare leaders and physicians um, in our in our state is just a great opportunity. And so we're looking forward to it. Uh, feel like there are a lot of similarities in culture. I would also say one of the things that may not be readily apparent as part of this transaction, we're creating an over billion dollar community foundation, which will benefit that region. And if you look across the country, it's one of the uh, actual largest community foundations in our country. And I and that's really as we think about sort of the impact we can make as a healthcare institution. Um, we're just really proud of that and look forward to what, 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 how that will improve patient care and just our communities going forward. Yeah, it's a big deal for the community. It's a big deal for the state. And it's a big deal for you guys at Novant. And that, that, this deal uh, is just an example, one example of the recent trend going back probably a decade of uh, increased hospital consolidation. And at the same time, hospitals are are coming together or being acquired. You also see physician groups, independent physician groups being acquired as employees for hospitals. That has to affect your job as in-house lawyers at a big system, but tell us a little bit about how that works, how that affects you when Novant Health acquires a, another hospital or Novant Health acquires a large physician group. Yeah, that's a great question, Matthew. So as you mentioned, hospital consolidation has certainly been happening for a while and I expect it will continue to happen. Um, but as you might also sort of suggested, healthcare institutions are facing quite a bit of headwinds and that was before COVID-19, right? And so there is this notion, and, and I think it's, it's right, that in order to increase, achieve greater efficiencies of scope, cost efficiencies, provide more high quality services, 
try to reduce costs while doing that, the scale of consolidation uh, really helps with that. And especially in some areas that are hard to reach, some of these more rural areas, um, it really helps to have a more, consol more consolidated uh, healthcare institution that can help provide some of these and lower and manage the cost for patients. And that's really what we're hoping to do. And then you add on a new Hanover by example of really trying to invest in the community and bring them along with us. So it's not just someone coming in, buying a hospital and taking away the community's assets uh, to some place remote to Charlotte. But no, we want to make sure they continue to have local control as part of the transaction and provide ultimate uh, better care. On the physician point, you know, I would say the vertical integration of physicians has been happening. Um, physicians partnering with private equity, which is which is new. Someone coming from the financial services world, it's interesting to see that that merger of of ideas. But you know, part of it is too. We we appreciate that physicians may have different interests and may be facing some of these same challenges. And so, as an in-house attorney, our job is to create this alignment strategy depending on how physicians would like to partner with Novant Health, making sure that they have those opportunities. So whether it is they wanna be completely independent all the way to they wanna be employed by Novant Health, we wanna create a model and that's what we're seeking to do that really puts physicians first, prevents the burnout that we know is happening, allows them to do what they do best and serve their patients and not deal with all the other, uh, the burdens that they may have. And I would say one of the things to suit, to tie the two questions together uh, one of the things New Hanover and the county commissioners really liked about us was our involvement in physicians in everything we do. So we have a, what's called a dyad model where we pair for each one of our institutes, whether it be heart and vascular, cancer, uh, administrative leader with a physician leader. And the physician leaders usually continue their practice at least one day a week. And at first coming in from the outside, I thought, oh, that's interesting, but it's really worked. And it really provides that physician level of scope and making sure they're involved in all these conversations. So it's something we take and we take seriously. We'll continue to, to value it. Um, we'll continue to evaluate and we just continue to find ways to align and partner with physicians, whether it's independent or fully employed with us. That interesting approach, um, you know, that you noted, you also, both of you have interesting backgrounds, right? That might bring it a different viewpoint to your in-house position. So Brandon, you were with a large financial institution. Mindy, you were with a large law firm before working in-house. How do you think the external positions that you guys had um, helped you in your roles now and maybe gives you that opportunity to have a unique perspective or idea? Yeah, Mindy, I may defer to you first. Okay. Yeah. Um... So I'll start. So yes, is it okay if I say my private law firm experience was next and prove it? That's okay. <laughs> and, sure. And with Matthew and the healthcare <laughs> team. Um, so obviously that gave me kind of the, the footing and the foundation of just general healthcare law, um, which is which is vast. Um, but I think coming in-house, and so I don't know necessarily that I had a unique perspective. You know, I think I was trained well um, for what I was coming into, but what I was surprised about coming in-house was how my practice could morph and change over, um, over time. So now I probably do very little kind of generalist healthcare law, what I would um, say I did at Next and Pruitt. And now I'm really into like executive comp and benefits and HR and employment and, um, corporate, general corporate. So I have been surprised to see my practice evolve, which I think gives me um, different perspective and unique as I go along. Um, but then also, and Brandon may have experienced this because he was in-house previous, but 
had really enjoyed um, and were surprised at how, um, I mean, we generally give legal advice, but we get sat out a lot as just kind of a thought partner and kind of a trusted advisor and consultant on non-legal, you know, issues and matters. And so you really feel like you are part of, you know, Novant Health, the team generally, not just the legal team. And so that's been, that's been great. I'm glad to hear that for you, Mindy. We miss you here. I would agree. I would agree completely with Mindy. And that's one of the, the best parts about, I think, being in-house is that sometimes you do get sought after for a strategic business thought leadership, um, which is which is interesting. You know, so I would say, um, you know, I, I came from one regulated industry to another regulated industry. And I say, you know, if I if I go to energy next, I think I, I've rounded out all three. <laughs> and so I'm probably a glutton for punishment, but I would say there are a lot of surprisingly a lot of similarities and that's before you even take into account um, financial institutions and private equity firms sort of trying to enter this space. Uh, but really, I think in a regulated industry, legal in particular is a competitive advantage because if you're able to say not just no, we can't do that because of regular regulations, but to say no, this is how you take the idea you think you have, which is great, but make sure it's compliant and do it in this way. I think that's a competitive advantage that maybe not everyone has. So I, I choose to see it that way. And that's sort of what I took from uh, financial services. I will also say in my last role um, with a large financial institution, uh, my job was to lead the work on the legal side of putting together the plan that that large uh, too big to fail bank would have if we entered another financial crisis like 2008. And so I think that sort of structure and thinking through that really helped me be able to respond to COVID-19. And the structures are actually very surprisingly similar to how we would respond to an economic crisis in the financial services to how we respond to uh, a pandemic in healthcare. And so I think there are a lot of lessons learned there. And um, just a cross-disciplinary sort of aspect of, of taking one thing from another industry to, a, to, to healthcare, I think has been advantageous. And so I found a lot more use for my previous experience than I ever expected. Well, it looks like you are enjoying that, Brandon, and Mindy, you too. And I, and I thank you both, Brandon Neal, Mindy Staley, for joining us today. I've enjoyed this conversation, yes, Matthew, and, it, and it, it's exciting to, um, to hear whether it's drone services with PPE moving between your buildings or a billion-dollar community foundation in, in the Wilmington area, potentially. I mean, that's exciting in a kind of a gloomy time of news in our country. So uh, thank you for joining us. Keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having us. Matthew, that is a – I didn't realize the uh, the – breadth of that involvement maybe in the yes. Wilmington area. That's oh, yes, substantial. Yes. No, it's a huge deal. Huge deal for everyone. That's yeah. awesome. Well, this is just an example when we have this global threat over us, uh, and it is a gloomy time for some, to be able to see some leadership at, at Novant and with Brandon and Mindy, um, how they're dealing with it, I think mm -hmm. is, you know, to hopefully we can take a, that as a very positive example that life is going on. We are making progress. Um, at some level. And mm -hmm. this is just a, a good little snapshot into how one healthcare system is dealing with it. Yes. Well, thank you for inviting me today. It was an yeah, exciting and interesting episode. And we have much more planned for you over the coming weeks. So we hope this wasn't your first nor your last Taking the Pulse episode and that you'll join us next time. Until then, stay safe and be well.